Hey friends, well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out, see their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads, love where you live. Aloha and welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. I'm Monica Swanson and I want to thank you so much for being here with me today. Guys, I am doing this introduction exactly one week after the release of Boy Mom and after building up to it all summer, it feels so good to finally have that book out in the world. I hope by now you've got a copy of it in your hands or maybe you've just ordered one, but I'm really excited to hear how you like it. It is available in audio as well and it's me narrating. I haven't had the nerve to listen yet, but I've heard some really good things. So if you like Audible books, you can find Boy Mom on Audible as well. And hey, wherever you listen to it, wherever you read it, I would so appreciate you leaving a review. As soon as you finish, or even if you're partway through, you can admit that. But if you can go on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get books, and leave a review, that is just like with the podcast. These ratings and reviews really make a difference to authors and to podcasters. So I want to thank you in advance for taking just a minute to leave some stars and a few words about the book. I know I've got well over 100 in the first few days, which is just blows my mind and makes me so thankful. So please add your review of Boy Mom Book and keep those podcast reviews coming as well. They've really been a blessing. I read them and just smile and feel so grateful for such a kind, kind community. Now, hopefully you caught last week's episode, episode 10, came out on my book release day. And so I just loosened my reins and handed the mic over to my four sons who interviewed me. And I had a lot of fun with that. I've heard a lot of great things from people. So if you missed that, go back to episode 10. You can hear a fun interview of the four Swanson boys interviewing their mom. But leading up to that time, we've been going through all the chapters from Boy Mom. We've been talking about what your son needs most from you. And this is all about equipping your son with what he needs most. So on the day that he is released into the world, like my oldest son will be going back to college tomorrow. And boy, I'm going to miss him. But I know he's ready. I feel so confident that he is just doing well independently over there. He's had one year away already. And it's been such a great feeling to know that he is equipped. Now, we'll never cover everything. I still send him text messages. I still am in touch with him, reminding him to, you know, floss his teeth. Just kidding. He does all that. But but we can't cover everything. But what's the most important things? What, what do we want to make sure our son's have by the time that they are grown, by the time they're young adults leaving the home, um, living independently. And that's what the book is all about. And that's what this podcast has been about as we're covering all the chapters from Boy Mom. And we were planning today to be on chapter nine, covering chapter nine of the book, which is called Inspiring Young Minds. And this is about learning and discovering passions, really raising a son who is a learner, who, how can we motivate our sons to 
you know, do their schoolwork when they struggle? How can we motivate our sons to be learners who are passionate and who also discover their hobbies, interests, whether it's sports or music or something else? This is such a great topic. And I had my friend Amber Leah on with me in an interview, which I was all ready to share today, Tuesday, as I'm trying to share these on Tuesdays. But... I just discovered yesterday that something had gone wrong with the audio and there was really nothing we could do about it. We just could not use that audio. So due to technical difficulties, that entire interview is not going to be able to be used. So we will redo that interview another time. And today instead, we are hopping right into chapter 10 which is called Body Wise. This is all about raising a physically healthy son. Now, there's actually two chapters in the book about raising a healthy son. One covers physical health. The other covers emotional health, and they're both super important. But... um. Today's topic is about a healthy son, how we can help them make good nutritional choices. What is our role as a mom in this? How about as they grow up and we have less control over what they eat? How about exercise? Can we raise a son who is physically healthy? What our role is in that? So it's a topic I love. My background is in sports medicine. I'm pretty passionate about this. And today I get to bring on my good friend, Erin Mooring. Now, I am thankful I had recorded this also before the book launched, so I had this recording already. And Erin is somebody I go way back with. She was a um, founder of the Mob Society, Mother of Boys Society, with Brooke McLaughlin. And the Mob Society is now transitioned, and it is called A Million Praying Moms. They have a podcast and a website, and it just so happens the day my book released, I was on the Million Praying Moms uh, podcast. So I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Heard some really sweet feedback about that. But Erin, um, Erin and I have so much in common. I've always wanted to have this conversation with her. I've always been curious about her story because she is also married to a doctor. She's also a boy mom and she's a runner. So I knew we had lots to talk about and I wanted to hear more of her story. I knew that she started some of this more as an adult, that she was developing new healthy habits with her husband and introducing her boys to running and the things that she loves. So selfishly, I've been wanting to hear her story and I knew it would be interesting for all of you to listen in on as well. Now, as always, there's going to be a whole lot more over in the book. I share research. I share practical suggestions and tips, and you're going to find a lot more in Chapter 10 of Boy Mom. But um, for today, I thought it would just be fun to have a Boy Mom to Boy Mom conversation. I think Erin's story will encourage and inspire many of you, and I just really hope that you feel like you're sitting with us as we chat about raising physically healthy sons. So here's Erin and I, and I'll hop back on with just a few words at the very end. Well, hey, Erin, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to join you. Yes, I've been so looking forward to having this conversation. And um, well, before I jump into all that, I want everyone to know about you because you're a busy woman, you're doing some really cool things, but you also sometimes stay kind of under the radar. So I want everyone to know who you are and all about you and your family. All right. Yeah, great. So um, I'm Erin Mooring. I am the co-founder of Million Praying Moms, which used to be the Mob Society, which is how you and I got connected um, long ago. It feels like forever ago. Um, mm -hmm. Just we were ministering to moms of boys, letting them know they weren't alone in all the craziness they were experiencing. And um, I co-founded that with Brooke McLaughlin. And uh, just this year, we transitioned to Million Praying Moms. Uh, just had a heart to encourage all moms to be praying for their children and praying specifically uh, scripture, playing, praying from the word of God for their children. So um, that is what I keep busy with. I do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, uh, graphic design and 
strategy and marketing and things like that, but we also have our own podcast. So that's where you might hear me every once in a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I do a lot of stuff uh, from behind the scenes. And then I have my own blog called Home with the Boys, which started uh, 11 years ago now uh, when I... Yeah, when I was an elementary music teacher, um, and then I had our second child and uh, decided to stay home. So I started a blog just as a, you know, scrapbooking type thing. Like we do. Yeah, like that wasn't messy, that wasn't like taking up half my house or something. Um, And it kind of evolved from there. And so now it's the place where I share uh, everything from fashion to, um, books I like and our family adventures and all, all sorts of things. So that's what I do working from home. And, um, my husband and I have three boys that are 13, 11 and seven now. So I know a teenager this year, which is not as scary as everybody says. So, you know, there's, there's always something at every age, but we're really enjoying that. So we'll have the second one joining him in middle school this year. So that will be a whole new adventure. But um, I feel like I was kind of made to be a boy mom. I love sports and love all sorts of things. Very well-rounded and we enjoy all of it together. So uh, let's see. My husband and I have been married for 16 years this year. So um, yeah, it's awesome. a great adventure. I'm loving every minute. And we live here in Nebraska. So big Big uh, sports fans, go big red and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love following Erin on social media because she is such like, you know, there's boy moms that just don't see, you know, feel like they were cut out for the job. But Erin, I, I just love to watch. She is the woman for the job for sure. And Erin and I have something else in common that I, I think makes today's conversation even um more fun. Erin is married to a physician like I am. And she was doing all this stuff, having these boys and blogging while he was going through his training, right? Take us through that journey a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So he started medical school, um, after our second child was born and that's when I started staying home as well. So that was, uh, a whole different adventure than a lot of people that he was in medical school with. Um, thankfully he had some great guys that were also dads that they all kind of studied together and it made med school a lot more manageable that they were all trying to get home to their families in the evening and they went through that. So he um, went through medical school then and we're on the other side of all of that training and everything. And um, yeah, hallelujah. Feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Well, and I talk about that because I, um, my husband and I went through medical school together and it was in his third year that we had our first son. But by the time he was done with residency, we had three sons. So you similarly, you had all three of yours between medical school and residency, right? Yeah. 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 So we had, um, when he started, we had a two-year-old and a two-month-old when he started med school. And then we had our last one during his fourth year of medical school because we figured residency is about to get crazy. Let's Mm -hmm. just add to that. (laughs) It's true. When people say, you know, we're waiting for the right time to have kids, I'm like, Mm -hmm. just trust me (laughs) It all works out. Yeah, it does. It really does. One way or another. And you've got great memories and you went through it together. I love that. Oh, exactly. I I think that makes a huge difference that like it, it wasn't a done deal before we got married. We had a whole lot of life before that. And 
and then went through it together. And I, yeah. I'm glad for that. Right. And and you have kind of your own medical degree by by default, right? <laughs> do do your friends call ask and ask me. you questions? Yeah, do not ask me any medical questions. I'm always like, well, you should probably call your doctor. <laughs> right. Totally. No, I try to answer. And then I tell my husband what I said. And he's like, no, that was totally wrong. <laughs> I like to think I know something because yeah, we used yeah. to, we would go on dates or, or for long drives and I would read his medical textbooks to him to help him study while he drove. And they always put me to sleep, but I felt like I should have earned some kind of a degree. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Medical school wife of the year. I think you would yeah. use that. Definitely. Well, um, I'm bringing Erin on here today because I thought she would be fun to talk to about um, the next topic in my book, Boy Mom, which um, it, I've actually got two different chapters about raising a healthy son. And this is so much my heart. The, all of these topics are really about equipping our sons for what they need most so that on the day that they launch, on the day that they are released into the great wild world out of our homes, the safety of our homes and all of our instruction and care, that they are ready to be independent young men that we just feel really confident are ready. And when I came to the topic of raising a healthy son, this is so much my heart, but I realized that health is not just physical health, that we need to be spiritually healthy, physically healthy, and emotionally healthy. So I talk a lot about spiritual health throughout the book, and there's a full chapter on faith. But um, as far as the topic of health goes, I have two chapters. One is on physical health, and then the next is on emotional health. And I think both are super important. But since I love to follow Erin and her, um, your runner, that's the other thing we have in common. Yep. Erin yes. is a total runner. She does a lot of races. We want to hear more about that. But I just thought it would be fun to kind of compare notes because though I've known Erin for years, um, we haven't really talked about this stuff and about both um, being married to doctors, raising sons, and how uh, all of it, I mean, our husbands go through a lot of training, and no, doctors aren't necessarily educated a lot on nutrition and that stuff. Sometimes they are, but a lot of medical schools don't focus on that as much as I think they ought to. But my husband, I know, has a real passion for um, preventative medicine, for uh you know, the importance of being educated in what to eat and what you can do to prevent so many of the diseases he deals with in the hospital. And um, so, Aaron, I really look forward to learning a little bit more. Tell me about your husband in this area. Um, he is also a, a physician. Tell me about his training and how that has led him to where he's at and where you're at as a family with raising boys. Yeah, so our story really does um, change. It changed about let's see, seven and a half years ago because of him training to be a physician in that during his fourth year of medical school, neither of us were runners, um, never had been. We both played some sports growing up. I, my family is big into tennis. And so I played tennis and everything, but the idea of running was like my worst nightmare. So <laughs> um, ironically, like I had tried the summer before this to do like the couch to 5k program with uh -huh. my friend. And in the middle of that, I got pregnant uh -huh. and he started a new training year uh, for med school. And it was just everything threw a wrench in that possibility. Uh -huh. And I was kind of thankful <laughs> at that point, like, Oh, oh good. I don't have to run. Um, but, stay on the couch. <laughs> yes. So then I'm pregnant. We're in that fourth year of medical school. We're interviewing for residency. 
Um, I'm homeschooling our youngest who was just started kindergarten or our oldest who had just started kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And um, in that January of that fourth year of med school, he just had this feeling like if I'm going to be talking to patients about their whole body health. And Mm -hmm. like you said, that whole preventative uh, care of your body by exercising and eating well, he's, he's like, I want to be the example for that. And I am not right now. And um, neither of us had considered ourselves like super unhealthy, but we really weren't doing anything to be healthy. Right. It's very relative, uh, right? (laughs) It is. It really is. I mean, when we look back at that, we're like, oh my gosh. But at the time it didn't seem that bad. Now, wait, Um, let me break in real quick. Are you both from Nebraska? No, we're all from from the Midwest, not far. Yeah. We're and we met in college and, and, so and ended the general up diet, because I'm not from that area. I haven't spent yeah. time there. General diet in that area is lots of meat and potatoes, okay. um, you know, that type of thing, yep. uh-huh. uh, which I still love. And thankfully, <laughs> that's not totally bad for you. Yeah. It's just how you eat it and right. how much you eat. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, so that uh, January, he decided I'm going to start working out and mm-hmm. trying to eat a little bit little bit better and here I was you know seven months pregnant thinking oh of course right now yeah thanks <laughs> well I, I don't want to do anything I can't really do much but you know not the time to start a new workout program yes. when you're that pregnant um, but he started going to the gym and uh, just tried running a little bit and um, was like oh, hey I I kind of like this and mm. got better and better at it and um, by Oh, gosh, se- just several months later, he had lost 40 pounds. What? And, yeah. Yep. Whoa. Yes. I mean, like, I didn't think he had 40 pounds to lose. But say. when I look back, I think, oh, I guess so. You know? It's wow. Just, uh, yeah. And um, so that was in January. And then I had our third son in March. And I thought, if he can do this, I can do this, too. And yep. So uh, when I got cleared six weeks after he was born, I started back up on the Couch to 5K program. Mm. And um, to give you kind of an idea of what that first year of getting healthy was like, um, he took the approach of started started running in January. His first race was at the end of March, and he ran 10 miles. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so he is See, just – I think men – yeah, and, and he's really focused. Like he's yeah. like I just said, he's a type one on the Enneagram. Uh-huh. So that is like I have a goal and I do it. Going for it. And he did. And he wow. yeah, he did really well and um just kept going from there. I mean, you know, and so I was like, Okay, maybe I can do this too. So my journey was um starting in April, a lot of walking and running intervals, mm-hmm. and then realizing, hey, I just ran two miles for the first time in my life or, you know, and just setting little goals along the way. So I uh, started running in April and I ran uh, races just going up by increments because I am a social person and that mm-hmm. atmosphere was really uh, motivating to me to sure. let's go run with a lot of other people and get a medal at the end. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, and so I ran a 5K in July. I ran a 10K in August. I ran a 15K towards the end of September. And then uh, on Thanksgiving Day, I ran my first half marathon. 
And wow. yeah, it just was kind of like, all right, gradually uh, I'm going to pick this up. So it was about nine months after our, wow. our third born that I ran my first half marathon. And by that time I was hooked. Like I, yep. I, this was my um, outlet. It was my endorphins. It was yes. my alone sure. time. It was my therapy. Like it totally. was just all of these things that I never in a million years would have thought I would have had that yes. mindset running. It had become that in those nine months. And well, I love back. that because so many people, to, you know, say, oh, I'm just not a runner or I hate to work out. And I encourage people, you might be surprised. Like sometimes it takes months of just doing it to, to do it just because you're forcing yourself. But eventually it is addicting. And there's there's no greater feeling than those endorphins you get from running. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, yeah it's worth it all. And yet running's probably not for everyone. And I know it's actually kind of hard on the joints. I'm learning as I'm getting <laughs> older here. But um, doing something that makes you huff and puff and sweat is so good. So then by then your kids were all young. But yep. But I love, first of all, just a quick mention of that, that at any age, I mean, this isn't you, you were an athlete, you loved sports, you were a fan, but that right. it really took you a few years into your adult years that you yeah. uh, decided to make this new commitment. So to anyone listening, I just encourage people, it's never too late. You can do it and you can learn to love it. <laughs> exactly. Like my parents always tell me that they didn't start playing tennis until they were in their thirties and mm -hmm. they are in their 60s and still play oh, several times so a week good. and love it. And so, I mean, that's a great, was a great example for me that I was 31 and right. like had not been a runner at all, period. Sure. Yes. <laughs> um, and I even have some exercise induced asthma. And uh -huh. I thought that meant I can't run. Right. And it has gotten better in Yay. these seven and oh. a half years since I've been running. Like, both from fitness level and from knowing how to manage it well. Sure. Um, so like there were all these things that I thought I cannot be a runner. You know, I, I joke about this, but this is a true story that I think I faked a doctor's note once or a note from my mom once to get out of running a mile in elementary school <laughs> because I hated running that much. Oh. So if I can do it, there those of you that are like, I'm not a runner. I wasn't either. You can be uh, if you want to be. <laughs> okay. I just love that. Okay. So how did this spill over? Now at the beginning, you were probably pushing kids in a jogger, I'm guessing, or. Actually, I didn't because, um, because of the winters here and my husband's crazy schedule with residency and all that stuff. We bought a treadmill that we decided that that was important awesome. enough. And I would run during nap time mm -hmm. um, or before they were all awake. Or I would wait till he was home and yeah, go outside. That's commitment. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so I really never did the jogging thing because we had three kids by that point already. When I started running, I wasn't going to push a triple stroller. Triple so. yeah, no, no. <laughs> and, and I'll tell not, you what. Yeah. They were not old enough to leave at home alone. So. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I have memories of pushing the double jogger and, and mm -hmm. nothing, nothing can, um, frustrate a mom more than when you're pushing uphill and a kid turns around oh. and asks for like their juice and you're just like <laughs> leave me alone this is my time and so I love the idea of just finding a way to do it alone even though sometimes you got to bring the kids so yeah. Yeah. oh so good okay so talk to me talk to us about how then the nutrition stuff evolved as well was it at the same time or how did all of that come together well, um so I would just say it's been baby steps ever since then. Um, and there are 
you know, there's kind of that ebb and flow thing where you're like on a healthy eating kick and then Absolutely. it kind of, you know, goes by the wayside and that still continues. That doesn't really go away, sure. especially when you're training for longer races, you are just hungry all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, I'm trying to eat healthy most of the time, but sometimes those chips and salsa are just calling oh, my name, especially sure. after a long run. So, yes. oh um, my goodness, moderation. I would, yeah, I would say that um, I am anti-diet by all means because if you tell me I can't have something, I want it even more. <laughs> for sure. Um, so that has never been a thing for me. But um, for me, it's the moderation thing. It's yeah. it's like. I know that I'm going to feel better running and in life if I'm eating well, if I'm eating, you know, good protein and fruits and vegetables and yes. um, whole greens and stuff most of the time. Yeah. But if I tell myself you can't have those chips and salsa ever, then that's all I'm going to ever think about. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to crash and burn within a week oh, yeah. and down a whole ba bag of chips by myself. Yeah. <laughs> human nature, so, human nature. Yeah, um, I would say uh, the two biggest changes since we started running in our diets is that we just think about it more, um, mm -hmm. think about what goes in our bodies better, and we tried several new things because we thought they would be good for our bodies, and mm -hmm. it expanded our palates a little bit. We are both very picky eaters. And there are things we eat now that you could not have shoved down my throat even <laughs> maybe 10 years ago. Like, Name oh, something. Not even get that near me. <laughs> I, I want to hear something. Um, like uh, salmon. Oh. We love salmon now. But mm -hmm. if you tried to get my husband to eat fish 10 years ago, he oh. would have like ran in the other direction. Right. Uh, and a lot of like Brussels sprouts. We uh, love Brussels yes. sprouts now. Even our kids. If you told me I would like Brussels sprouts when I was a kid and would like it later in my life, I would have like ran to the bathroom to throw up, you know, like that's disgusting. They smell, you know, whatever. But sure. some of those things we, we just had to try them a different way yeah. or yeah. whatever. And because we were eating healthier, reading, you know, magazines about what's good for mm. an athlete, for a runner, you just tried a different recipe. Oh, sure. maybe I would like that. Um, yes. and um, so I would say those are the two biggest things, just being more mindful about what we eat um, and trying new things that so we good. knew would be healthy for us, but had never really given a chance before. Right, right. Well, I think um, I think because my husband um, works in a hospital setting and so many of the diseases and end of life situations he sees, he's, you know, sadly sometimes refers to them as diseases of choice. Um, that sounds horrible because nobody chooses it, but it's, it's saying that it could have been prevented with some really simple steps of, you know, especially in cases of drug abuse or something like that, but smoking, um, and just a really bad diet for, uh, wow. you know, for years and years when a doctor is telling you, listen, if you quit this, if you have diabetes and you do not manage it, it, you know, it, it will have really serious effects on your body. And so, um, so much can be prevented. And I think because of that, my husband, I always say that my husband eats to live. Um, I know some people say they live to eat, but my husband just, uh, I, I think I ended up cutting it out of the chapter in the book because it just sounds so bizarre, but I'll just say it here that when my first three sons were young and my husband was still in his training, he would come home from work and just open the fridge and grab like a small pinch of 
um, raw spinach and just say open. And my boys would open their mouth and he would just stick it in just like a vitamin. (laughs) And people are like, that is so bizarre. But because he did it, they just didn't even, and they'd crunch it down and swallow it. Well, we, you know, six years later, we have our fourth son and life is busier and we just are out of certain habits. Yeah. We still have Mm -hmm. salad every night, but he wasn't quite as, um, you know, on them. And now my fourth son is the one that's been the hardest to get to eat vegetables. And I'm like, because we didn't do that force feeding little birdie thing where he said open and he'd stick vegetables in their mouth and they just eat them. And they all love vegetables, I think, because they were trained young. But, um, I know in our family, I'm probably the one who's more likely to give the treats. I grew up, you know, in a home where there was lots of healthy food, but also moderation. Things weren't off um, limits. And so I think I just have that heart to like, oh, I want to give my boys what they love. Tell me about you and your husband. Who Are you on the exact same page or is one of you more tight on that? I would say we're pretty equal, but um, my husband does a better job of snacking well. Um, than I do like choosing healthier snacks. Like he has some carrots every night, you know, when we sit down on the couch, like he has a habit of grabbing some carrots before we sit down because then he's less likely to stick something junky in there. Um, And I just don't default to grabbing (laughs) things like that as well. (laughs) Um, But we are fairly equal. I do most of the cooking so my planning of meals, um, you know, I, I'm the one who's planning what they're going to eat and, and cooking it. Um, so I do a lot of thinking of that stuff as well. But we're both fairly um, equal minded in, sure. oh, it's, it's fine to go, you know, every fall we go to the pumpkin patch and we, we pig out everybody that day. We get the <laughs> kettle corn and we get yeah. the, the ribbon fries and all of that stuff. But that's not every day. That's like. Yes one day in the fall that we do that. Or if we're going, you know, to something special, we know, hey, this is not the night to watch what we eat. But the rest of the time, it's like, how many fruits and vegetables have you eaten today? And have you had protein? And, um, you know, so I I would say we're fairly equal, but he does a better job of holding it up for himself. <laughs> yeah. I would say. We, we, we laugh because my husband walks around just popping almonds in his mouth all the time. And we're just like, I wish I thought like that. <laughs> oh, I know he just does. Okay. So are all of your kids pretty well on board with eating nutritionally or how um, do you deal with it so, when they resist it? Yeah. So our oldest, you know, being the child that was the oldest when we were not runners yet, uh-huh. like he has probably been the hardest to convert to healthier eating just because we didn't really think about it all that much when he was little. Um, And then you're you're starting to form their palate already when they're young and what what you're feeding them. Um, But the thing for us has been just try it. You can't tell us you don't like it unless you've tried it. And because of that, um, they are on board with certain things. And there's certain things where we're like, you know what? They've tried it. They don't like it. And that's okay. You know, we didn't like peppers of any kind growing up, either of us. (laughs) And so, like, I'm not going to push that on them all the time. But if we, if I make a dish where they're in there and they can barely taste them, you can try those and you can eat that and, and, and be okay. Um, Our youngest probably eats the best because, Mm -hmm. you know, we were well into the healthy eating when he was uh, growing up and, and young and discovering new foods, but 
they, you know, they have all embraced broccoli and Brussels sprouts and they will all eat fish now, which is a huge development. And yes. so it's kind of like finding those things that they are really on board with and then choosing your battles otherwise. Yes. Um, so good. Yeah. So like we have two that love string cheese. So I'm like, when you need some protein and I can tell you're hungry, grab that and one that doesn't. So we have to find something else that has some protein in it for him. And uh, probably like the main thing for our family has been that whole idea of teaching them to think about their food and totally. our oldest. So I, we probably were going to get to this, but um, as far as running and, and physical activity, yeah. that kind of spilled over to them as well. Um, and with our oldest, he's done uh, two half marathons now. And wow. the main thing for him has been, what are you fueling for? And what are you fueling with? So and good. that mindset for a 13 year old is really good to instill in them to be thinking, like he said, he'll say, can I have some whatever right now? And it'll be nine o'clock at night. And it's like, well, what do you have tomorrow? If you have a long run tomorrow, sure, eat some pretzels and get some carbs and, you know, right. be ready for it. But if you're not fueling for something, you need to choose something more protein based or, you know, sure. like that. Um, so uh, that. that that mental picture of food as fuel has oh. been helpful for us um, in teaching them how to eat better. And, you know, after that run is done, let's go get a big hamburger and, right. <laughs> and, yes. and celebrate because your body just worked really hard. But, um, but how are you feeling it beforehand? And, and if you're feeling tired and, and it's not doing, your body's not doing what you want, what have you been eating lately? Let's figure out how that's affecting you. That, that is all so good. I think just giving kids that awareness and the ability to think, um, and you know, I, I say in the chapter in my book that, and I hate to come across like I'm putting too much pressure on parents, but really until they are independent, we are the ones as parents who really get to choose for them the, the state of their health and, um, and it really does affect them for the rest of their lives. And sadly, there are, you know, kids these days who have the kind of health things going on that typically are thought of to be, you know, in midlife, things like cholesterol streaks in their arteries, um, high blood pressure, early diabetes of the adult onset type. And so it's, it, you know, I hate to, I hate to be like putting an extra burden on moms, but just to think about it and exactly what you're saying, thinking about what you're fueling your kids for, not just pleasing their sweet tooth at the moment, but really thinking this is my opportunity to give my child a foundation that will actually lead them into the rest of their life. And then once they hit that age, like your son, where they're able to think for themselves, helping them then to make good choices. Because when they go away from you to school or a friend's house, we're not able to control them then. But if they're able to think about it and really um, critically decide for themselves what is best for them and um, have that you know, mentality, I think it can really change the trajectory of their health for the rest of their life. Right. And so like, I'm the one who does the grocery shopping. So I do directly affect what yes. they're eating because I, that's what's available in the house. And like the whole idea of thinking in categories of like fruits and vegetables, having readily available the things, you know, they'll eat. Mm -hmm. So you at least have that advantage, yes. you know, what fruits and vegetables will they eat? And like my, my oldest just got braces. So that kind of limits, <sighs> right. um, 
the crunchy vegetables and and fruits you know we're having to you know rethink a lot of that but if I don't have the stuff they like in those healthy categories in the house they're going to make bad decisions and say Mm -hmm. well you don't have any red apples you know what I can't eat a fruit right now um and then but helping them think in that category of what have you had for fruit and vegetable today what Mm -hmm. have you had for protein today you know, what could you grab that's in that category? How much water have you drank? Like we haven't even talked about that. Right, when my kids come huge. to me and say they're hungry, the first thing I say is how much water have you had? Or Absolutely. go drink a whole glass because uh, if they've already been eating quite a bit and they're still hungry, they're probably needing more water. Yeah, dehydrating. Same with headaches. My little guy yep. gets headaches and I'm like, hmm, maybe you need to drink some water and it almost always will make the difference for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, that is set. And these are conversations we can have over meals throughout the day. I talk in the book about how we look at our plate and look for different colors because typically colors are going to, unless you're looking at Skittles, but typically <laughs> on a dinner plate, colors mean antioxidants, which I mean, I tell my kids and there's simple ways you can explain these things that the fr- fruits and vegetables have antioxidants and antioxidants are like the little, the little guys that go out and kill cancer cells like that is our body god gave us these wonderful built-in ways to fight disease and if we put the right thing in our body it's going to do what god created it to do and i think once kids start to understand that once they're educated a little bit more which sadly i don't think most schools some might have a great program in nutrition but most schools don't teach that and just if they really get a grasp on like you can actually make a difference in your performance in your sports in how well you think on a test um, by yes, how you eat, if you're getting exercise, and then also sleep is a big one, just helping kids understand the importance of sleep. And those are all things that we as parents have such an opportunity, like it's it's a great opportunity to shape our kids health um, for their lifetime. Right. And for us, you know, I have a couple kids that there are very few fruits that they like by themselves. But if oh. you put it in a smoothie, Yes. They will drink it all up and yep. like even put some spinach in there and they don't even know it's in there. Exactly. And, you know, now that they're older, they see me, you know, see us <laughs> making them. So they know, yeah, they know what's in it, but they already like it. So it yes. doesn't matter. So I can't get my kids to eat a banana by itself. Huh. They're crazy, whatever. Yeah. But they will drink up a smoothie with a banana in sure. it in a heartbeat. So yes. you just have to like get creative with that. And then also... You know, unfortunately, some sports organizations or because of peer pressure, sometimes kids are thinking too much about food. And, uh, and yes. you know, like you said, kids are dealing with these things that used to be only for middle age in, in that, you know, they have medical problems with cholesterol, but they also are thinking about being fat or thinking uh-huh. about all yes. that stuff more because of social media and images and so there's like this really fine line for us as parents to where we want them to eat healthy but we don't want to be so strict in monitoring that they develop an eating disorder or exactly uh, things like that so I I feel like it's something that um, we have so much pressure on us but really we just need to model a healthy way of handling food and exercise because that's what they pick up on. Oh, you are so right. That is a really important point to make is just that they're watching us and they're picking up our cues. If we 
um, are thinking too much about it or also being careless. And, um, and I think that moderation and just teaching them just the concept that our bodies are God's temple and that we are responsible to um, steward it well, to take care of it, but also not to let it become an idol, not to let that be our God. And I think modeling it is so important. And um, I'm sure a, a lot of people listening know that I wrote a little self-published book called The Secret of Your Naturally Skinny Friends, which kind of um, shares my story of overcoming just food and body and exercise obsession, um, because that used to be such a such a stronghold in my life. And when I overcame it and just realized that so many other people had that men and women I've discovered, you know, who have read my book, but I'll link to that in the show notes as well, because I think for parents, it can be really stressful um, with sons, especially if you have daughters though. I know a lot of moms are like, I don't want to model an unhealthy relationship with food to my children because really kids do pick up on that. So I say, if you've got an issue, if anyone listening feels like this is an area of struggle, I really encourage you to take that seriously and to do what you can to overcome it. Um, for your sake, yes, because living a free life is so worth it. I know for me, the difference has been massive in my life, just finding freedom in all of that um, and being able to enjoy food and enjoy exercise in a healthy relationship, but also how that spills down to our children and um, that they can be raised also with um, parents who model a healthy relationship with food and exercise. So I'm glad, you, I'm really glad you mentioned that, Erin. Um, okay, so any other tips on this to add? Because if not, I've got three fun boy mom questions I'm going to throw at you. Well, I was just going to say the thing I get asked about the most is the fact that our kids like to run. Oh, and yeah. um, And like, how did you get them to like running? And Ooh. my number one answer is we didn't. They decided that they oh. wanted to. And, um, you know, we live in an area where organized sports is king like they're I mean at preschool age they could be in any organized sport on a team and if you're not then you are behind by second grade um (laughs) you know that thing and our kids have not been huge on that they've tried a few things here and there but we have not pushed them into anything they didn't want to do um and uh that has been a great approach for our family but when we started running and they started coming to cheer us on at races and things like that. They started wanting to sign up for them. Sure. Yep. And so it's contagious, um, right? They, they're like, this looks fun. I want to come in through that finish line. Right, exactly. And so like it was a gradual thing and they just did it on their own from home. And as they get older, they can do more of that themselves. But um, they didn't do any organized running clubs or anything like that. They just saw that we liked it and wanted to do it themselves and signed up for races. And we set out a training plan for them and it was like, okay, it's Monday. You have this many miles. And if they didn't want to do it or they weren't self-motivated enough, then it was like, okay, maybe this isn't, you know, maybe we're not going to sign up for a race and you have to want it yourself. And um, so I get, I get asked about that probably the most, like, how did you get your 13 year old to run a half marathon? I'm like, I didn't, he wanted to, he, he decided that he wanted to do this next step. And, and I love that, but he had been watching you, you know, that that is a big part of it. Right. It is. And so I just, I feel like that is an encouragement to parents that if you're enjoying a healthy lifestyle, whatever it may be, maybe you are like my family grew up playing tennis. My parents were out playing and love it. My sister and I 
let's play. We sure. and we enjoyed it and still enjoy playing it. In and we took very different routes. My sister went all the way through and played college tennis. Oh. I decided that that wasn't for me early on, and I wasn't, you know, quite that caliber, and that music was more important to me. And so I played for fun still. Sure. But, but I was still something active I could do. But I I give credit to my parents for being yes. out there doing something for fun that we got to see and so see them being active and then kind of yep. latched onto that. And that's what's happened with ours as well. So, you know, I love that. No, I think what that's... they have to say and what they like and and encourage them in that. That's right. Yes. And I, I think I say in the chapter in my book, too, that sometimes the best way you can get your kids to do sports is to just embrace it yourself and have mm -hmm. fun with it. And maybe if you're listening, you and your husband might want to try something new. Take up tennis. Our family for Easter a couple of years ago, I got everybody tennis stuff because I'm like, we could do this as a family, but it might be hiking. It might be riding bikes. But if you and your husband start doing something, usually the kids start to get curious and are interested in trying it, too. But um, along those lines, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing I do talk about in the book is even kids who do maybe little league sports and, you know, you get them involved when they're young, they may hit their teenage years. And um, some schools are so competitive, it's really hard to make the cut on a team. And then what happens oftentimes is if a kid doesn't make the cut on a team and then they've got all this schoolwork and then of course in their free time kids are drawn to things like games right we all know that and so there's their lifestyle becomes so sedentary and that's where I just encourage parents to do the hard work of parenting here because you know and if you didn't before now you do I think all of you know that exercise is good for you and good for your kids for a lifetime and so what I've done is I've just required my kids to do something physical um, if you know they're all surfers but I've said from the time they're teenagers you need to get out and jog even a mile or two a couple times a week and the reason I did that is because I thought jogging is something they can do the rest of their life if you can buy a pair of tennis shoes you can jog anywhere anytime yes I've jogged in the snow um, I'm I, you if you don't have a treadmill you can get outside so it's a it's a cheap sport it's something you can do anywhere but whatever it might be um, I think tennis is a great one because it doesn't take a whole lot and you can usually find courts indoor or out but to just make that something that as a parent just like you have other things you require them to do be it chores or eat healthy you can tell your kids you can be the parent and say you know you have to get exercise three days a week or four days a week and I think if you can do it as a family all the better I do you and your son run oh, together yes um that oh. has been really really fun development is being able to it. run with him he's gotten faster he runs longer we've done long runs together we and have what the great best memories. conversations. Oh yeah, yes. we have great conversations on those runs. And you're so right. Um, we have really focused on lifelong sports. And yes. if they want to do more than that, that's great. But swimming, uh -huh. tennis, and running have yes. been the three that our family has kind of latched onto. And those, well, swimming it can be a matter of survival too. I mean, you yeah, know, absolutely. like absolutely here and, and safety. Right, exactly for right. you. Yeah. Um, but for safety reasons, we want them to know how to swim, but it's great exercise for their oh, whole life. So Tennis, you know, like I said, my parents are in their sixties and still play several times a week, but they have friends that play in their leagues with them that are in their eighties that are oh, playing. Okay. And then, and like you said, running or even walking. And I, for those parents that are out there that are like, I can't get my kid off the couch, like whether they're watching TV or or video games, like you said, being the parent and saying, 
before you can have that time, yeah, you need to do something physical. Like it's not that. a well after your game time, you need to go run. <laughs> Make right. it a Good requirement luck. before. So, so it's good. like like you have Burning. to be active before you do this thing that you like and you know, that's the carrot dangling in front of them. Oh, I think that is so good. Yeah, I've I've have one friend who said um, her son has to jog a mile, I think, for every 30 minutes of gaming or something along those That's lines. Awesome. And I thought, that is so good. It is, you know, definite reward system there. So Definitely. I love it. Oh, I just love this conversation. Obviously, this is so much of my heart and my passion. And, and I hope that it's contagious because I want everyone to experience the joy of just um, being healthy and fit. And again, I don't think Aaron or I are extreme in this. We both no. believe in moderation. I think I could improve in a lot of areas, but it's just a fun part of family life. And I want everyone to enjoy, get the chance to enjoy that part of family life. Okay. So you ready for some mom, boy, mom questions? I am. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to wrap this up with three quick boy, mom questions. And number one is going to be, I've been starting all of them with this. So, um, what is one boy mom essential that you use every day or close to it? Um, just something that saves you as a boy mom, and it can be any category of life or household. Okay, right now my answer is an air fryer. Oh! <laughs> Which I didn't even think about the fact that we were talking about food, but um, <laughs> I use our air fryer every single day. Um, what do like you, make? you can make you can make frozen chicken breast. You can make uh, fish in there. You can make crispy broccoli. Uh, you can throw like even some fish sticks or, you know, like whatever. Okay. Um, and uh, we use it every day. Seriously, okay, so maybe you sometimes. me in here. Is it, is it one of those? Is it like the instant pot where it's really quick? Yes. It's okay. very quick. And it makes things way crispier than like. And it's air. Oven. No grease. Yeah. And more than. Yes. And no grease added. Um, I hate warming things up in the microwave, uh -huh. like leftovers and stuff. So I pop it in the air fryer and it's like, it was just baked or an end. And in the summer here, you know, like last week we had a heat index of 115. Oh, one day I do not want to heat up the oven on those days. <laughs> um, oh. and so the air fryers just, you know, plug in and, and do its thing. Yeah. Okay. I've never experienced that. one. And now I'm very curious. You totally because would love as it. As if I need another kitchen gadget. But <laughs> That's exactly what my husband said. He's like, oh, gosh, another Seriously. thing for top. <laughs> I, I need a second kitchen. Okay, next question is, what makes your family laugh the most? What gets the moorings in a good family laugh? We have the most fun when we're traveling. And oh. that includes road trips, which people oh. think we are crazy but we have been road tripping since they were little Aww. and we love road trips. And um, we have tons of fun when we're on vacation, whether you it's play games in the car, what yeah. makes it fun? Yeah. And, and just like experiencing new things together. Sure. Uh, we've been on a national parks kick. So like being out and hiking in, um, you know, Yellowstone or, um, Zion National Park, like those, oh, yeah. we just are all in a good mood when we're doing yes. things and loving that. Um, that would be my top thing is that we're always just having a blast when we're traveling. But if we're home, we laugh the most if we're playing board games uh -huh. or if we're out like swimming, um, yes. you know, everybody's just relaxed and enjoying oh. 
something like that. So, oh, so good. Well, I just have to say a little jealous on the road trip front because here where I live, a road trip might take me around my island. <laughs> that might be a two hour trek. So, we don't exactly get to do road trips. You'll just have to fly everybody over to the yes. mainland, yes. you know? Like, I grew up taking road trips and I have mixed memories. Yes. <laughs> some really good and some where I wanted to kill my brothers and I know they wanted to kill me. <laughs> well, that, that is, we just relived that with my parents a little bit. I have a sister. We are three years apart. And as we were discussing our love for our family road tripping, my parents reminded me of how we <laughs> behaved on road trips. <laughs> yes, but you forget that, right? You just remember the good times. Yeah, oh, for sure. Okay, and then number three, what is one of the funniest or grossest things your boys have ever brought into the home, maybe found in their pockets or in the laundry, anything that comes to mind? Okay, so I was trying to crowdsource with them because I am trying to remember something gross, but the funniest <laughs> for me is that my son came home with his backpack one time and it looked like the zipper was about to break. And I was like, oh my gosh, do you have like this much homework or what's going on? And I opened it and he literally had three different jackets all shoved in there. And I was like, did you take three coats with you today? And he's like, no, I just kind of throw them in there. So they just had been accumulating. <laughs> and like, I was like, he's hoarding he jackets. Yes, and you didn't take it out at the end of the day. And he, I've also found very old, dirty socks in the uh, bottom of the backpack mm -hmm. before, which, like, at the age they're at, yeah, just, no, you don't I don't know. That. Like, no. I know we've had, I'm sure we've, I've found melted food or something uh -huh. in there before, but those socks, oh, yeah, good. that's pretty I don't bad. even know how long they've been in there. You almost need to throw the whole bag out, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, true. since your kids don't like bananas, you can tell them this one to gross them out. And we grow bananas and apple bananas here. Oh, and goodness. I have found very old, very smushed oh. bananas at the bottom of my son's backpack. After that is bad. Weeks. So yeah, that's a backpack that needs to be tossed. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's kind of like the onesie that had the, you know, blowout. Uh, yes. That you just don't even salvage. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Okay. And then final question for you. And this is to encourage the moms coming up behind you. If you were to look back at yourself, um, a younger Erin Mooring, um, as a boy mom, is there one piece of advice or wisdom that you would give her now that you've gone as far through this journey as you have? So I went with something that I hear, heard my husband say a lot in our conversations as they were growing up, and that was set them up for success. So mm -hmm. What what I mean by that is I, there were so many times we would go into situations like going over to a friend's house or going out to dinner or something where they were little and we did not prepare them well for mm -hmm. it to go well. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, things like they we'd planned something over nap time and like they were already exhausted and meltdowns oh. were coming or whatever. Or they had been sitting still for so long, and then we took them to something where they had to sit still longer, yes. and we were not setting them up for success. We didn't bring, you know, something to eat, and they got hungry, and when you're hungry, you don't reason oh. well, and all of that stuff. So um, my number one thing would be to look at situations that may be difficult or 
awkward or whatever and prepare them ahead of time. And one of the things that was the most important for us in setting them up for success was to keep them active. So what, what I mean by that is like on our road trips, if we didn't stop every Uh, hour, hour and a half and let them be active, we were not setting them up for success in the car. We were giving them all the reasons to act out because they had pent up energy. They were bored, whatever. But, um, one of the number one things for moms raising boys is to find physical outlets for them. And that will set them up for success a hundred percent better, whatever the situation is. I love that. I I wrote that down and I'm going to, I think, hang that up because I think at all ages, you know, going into some that just across the board, that is such good advice. And you're right. It so applies to our topic today. I mean, I remember when my oldest son went to, he went to school as far as first grade. And I remember his first grade teacher telling me, um, I can tell when your son's had, we, they used to love, um, toaster waffles, but they would have toaster waffles with a whole lot of syrup. And I think the teacher started asking him what he had eaten that morning because he said, I can tell when Josiah's had waffles because he, his behavior is not as good. He's, you know, more hyper talks out of line. And I thought, wow, even the way we feed them can be setting them up for success or not. And, um, when, you know, moms say their son can't sleep at night and it's like, well, did you give them sugary soda or dessert right before bed? I love that. And I think it just applies across the board. Great advice. Yeah. And we, I mean, we just try and think through like, what do they need to know about this situation that will help them handle it better. And like, you know, when kids are go through like testing at school, like standardized testing, there's a reason that teachers send home a note that say that says make sure they get enough sleep, make sure they eat a really good breakfast in that morning because all of that sets them up for success in testing. Well, we can do the same thing for them as parents. Oh my goodness. Great advice across the board in all areas. I love that, Erin. Well, thank you so much for your time. It has been just a pleasure chatting with you on this topic. I know I kind of wish I was there in Hawaii with <laughs> yes, you chatting. But I'll just pretend that I have, right. you know, that beautiful view outside of my window. And well, you, know. <laughs> you and you and your family need to come over and visit. I think we would all get along really well. I will put that on my calendar. <laughs> do, do, do. Well, um, thank you. We'll, we'll be sure to get you back on another time because I think there's a lot of different topics we could have fun talking about about Raising Boys. I would love that. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Erin. God bless and aloha. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Erin. She is just so much fun. And as always, anything Erin and I talked about will be found in my show notes at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. Find all the places to follow Erin, and I know you'll want to. And I hope her story encouraged you and inspired you. And if you have any questions or comments, please leave them over at the blog as well. I love hearing from you. I appreciate you sharing this podcast using your Instagram stories or all the different ways you share it. It means so much to me. So I want to thank you again, guys. And I'll look forward to coming back to cover more of what your son needs most from you. And when we finish these topics from the book, we will be diving into all kinds of other subjects related to raising boys in today's crazy world. So I'm already looking forward to next week's episode. Hope you are too. And until next time, aloha. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.